Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. And that is quite literally what we are going to do today. We are stepping out of the realm of fitness a little bit, but it's indirectly connected to everything fitness and nutrition and lifestyle. And that's because we're talking about I mean, really hacking life. We're hacking the brain. We're hacking our sleep. We're hacking our routine. And we have performance physiologist, Dr. Greg Wells, on the podcast. He is the author of multiple books, The Focus Effect, The Ripple Effect, and then Rest, Refocus, and Recharge, as well as a key role and part as being a researcher and somebody who helped develop Precision Nutrition's newest cert, Sleep, Stress Management, and Recovery. Um, He's been a big part of that. He's been a big part of a lot of research studies, the Olympics, Special Forces, I mean, this guy's resume is insane. I didn't understand how he had so much time and experience to do all the things that he has done, but it's because of all the things that we talk about today. So we're going to dive deep into his story and why he does what he does. We're also going to talk about why the brain works the way it does and how we can optimize that through exercise, sleep, nutrition, and everything, really, mood, happiness, being around people, sun, blue zones, like we really touch on everything we can possibly do to help you live longer, think smarter, move better prevent disease, everything. It, this was, a, this was a, an amazing podcast. Honestly, probably one of my favorite podcasts that we have done in a long time as far as interviews go uh, because we tackled each of his books, The Focus Effect, The Ripple Effect, and then last but not least, Rest, Refocus, and Recharge. And we just dug into each one and really gave you practical application as to what you can take from these books and then later use to optimize your life, your brain, longevity, disease prevention, fitness, nutrition, everything. Um, so I'm really excited about this one. I think you guys are going to like it a lot. You can find Greg on Instagram at Dr. Greg Wells. Really, really easy. His website is drgregwells.com. Uh, his books are all on Amazon. Precision Nutrition's uh, certification course is going to be uh, on his website too. Like everything's linked there. Even all the, he's done over 75 publications and research. So you can find all that on his website as well as a bunch of free content, um, all of which we're going to link in the show notes of this podcast. So last but not least, guys, if you enjoy this podcast, do me a huge favor take a screenshot of it right now and share it on your Instagram story. Tag myself at Cody McBroom and tag Greg at Dr. Greg Wells so we can both see it. Thank you for listening and share it on our story as well. Without any further ado, let's talk to the one and only Dr. Greg Wells. All right, Greg, man, I am excited to have you on the podcast. These ones are always really cool for me because um, we have mutual friends over at Precision Nutrition. They recommended you and, and my first response is like, Yes, because I trust you guys. And my second response is like, let me go figure out who this guy is because I I don't know much about him yet. Um, And as I started digging through your website, I'm just like, oh, my God, I could I could probably talk to this guy for hours on end. Uh, You're just a part of so much cool research, dude, just so many cool aspects of human performance and not just human performance from like people. People hear that. I think they think of sports, but often I think of um, sports. truthful biohacking, I guess you could say, like what's really allowing us to just optimize every little detail. And I'm a big fan of kind of like that snowball effect where we just do this like 1% difference. But as you stack those things, we become the best versions of ourselves in so many ways. So I'm really excited to talk to you about so many different things. We're going to try to cram as much as possible into this podcast, dude. But um, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about you. Give us your story in a nutshell, like who you are, what you do and why you do it. Sounds good. And I'm so honored to be here, like really grateful for this chance and love talking about this stuff. So if we don't get through all of it today, we'll just keep going and we'll do another one because I can talk all day about all of this. But uh, so I'm a physiologist and I study human performance. It started when I was young. I was a competitive swimmer growing up. When I was 15 years old, I broke my neck in a swimming accident down in Florida at a training camp. And 
went through neurosurgery and rehab and all that sort of stuff, got back up to sort of almost international standards in swimming. All my friends made the Olympics. I didn't, but that's fine. Uh, and, but that triggered my interest in the human body. So I did an undergrad in kinesiology and I went on to do a master's in exercise science. I did a doctorate in respiratory physiology and then a couple postdocs as well in, in respiratory medicine and uh, sort of landed doing a lot of work with the Olympic team. So I uh, worked as a physiologist for almost 25 years with the Canadian Olympic team, done some stuff with special forces soldiers. Uh, and I now still am involved in exercise medicine research at sick kids hospital in Toronto, using exercise for kids with cancer and cystic fibrosis. And then I also do a lot of public speaking and write books and been a television commentator for the Olympics a couple of times. So all sorts of different things, but it all revolves around optimizing you know, our potential as humans through evidence-based science. So it's what I try to do. This is a, I don't know why, I don't know why this came to mind, but, um, you know, there's a lot of times where, uh, so actually next weekend, I'm actually speaking at an event in Austin and there's times where like I get done with speaking, seminars are over and they got one more night and I'm just going back to the hotel. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go grab a glass of wine, just sit there for a little bit and like kind of reflect. And I always try to like make conversation with somebody because you never know who else is traveling stuff. And I just think of this is why people should be encouraged to start conversations with people because I just imagine going up to a hotel bar and sitting next to you and be like, so what do you do? And you give me that spiel and, you know, it's like, wait, what? You know, because you have so many interesting aspects of what you've done and, and been able to do. Uh, man, this is not something I want to talk about today, but I'm, I'm very curious now with people like the special forces, and I'm sure it translates to the Olympics and stuff. What were you as a physiologist for that? What are you doing? What is your role? What are they trying to get out of you? Got it. So, so what I did was um, I would help the um, operators in between deployments to Afghanistan. So they would come home and have to recover and regenerate for six months, a year. And then a lot of them would have to go back out, whether it was Afghanistan or Iraq, but I would have that time to help them decompress and then rebuild their training. Uh, and then uh, we also worked a lot on taking what we did with Olympic athletes, which was like a three week taper into the Olympics to supercharge performance. You, you don't train much right before the Olympics, you actually do very little. And so we tried to design um, protocols to help the operators to supercharge their mind and body performance right before operations. So what's, what does a four day prep look like before you jump into a helicopter and fly off into the mountains? Uh, and then one of our, uh, the PhD students that I also worked with did a fair bit of work on field rations as well and trying to optimize those uh, and study their effect on performance. So sort of like physical training, optimum preparation, pretending like operations are like a sporting event using the exact same principles and then working a little bit on field rations and nutrition, which is incredibly difficult to do when you're out in the field. So that was pretty interesting work. It was um, challenging and, and hard and scary. And I, I mean, it was scary for me and I'm sitting in an office in Toronto, right? So I can imagine what it was like for a lot of the people I worked with who are, you know, out risking their lives to keep us safe. So yeah, that was pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's a big responsibility. You know, it's a lot of pressure. So it's a lot, a big piece of that. And, and some of the other things, I mean, anytime I think of working with elite athletes, let alone people who are, like you said, risking their lives and traveling to do the things that people in special forces do, what kind of, and this might be a loaded question, but the mental side of it that you're training these people on the mindset or like what things are you trying to do in order to get them into the best mental state going into those scenarios? Got it. So what I tried to do was um, once they were back, we were doing training was to really use their 
exercise right, protocols, which is, you know, cardio training. You want to be crazy cardio fit because uh, you just want to have that endurance coupled with really good strength training. You want to build up muscle mass because when you travel, it's very difficult to maintain muscle mass when you're uh, in, in those environments uh, and use that to try to make sure that you're in a good mental state and that you decompress and that you, you know, burn your demons in the fires of your workouts, basically. Right. And, 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 and then ultimately what that sets the stage for is being so fit, so strong, and then mentally resilient and recovered enough for you to be able to go back out and function again at a world-class level. So it was a lot of recovery, a lot of regeneration, a lot of really good, hard training, um, helping them go to speak to people who are psychological uh, experts, whereas I focused on the physiology, but I really just wanted to make sure that they felt confident, healthy, strong, and really, really fit so that when they were asked to go out again, they were able to do that. Got it. Is there, is there a, I mean, I, I know the answer is yes, but I guess I'm curious more of like why or what it is just so people can hear, but like the connection between, um, I mean, we know like when you train, whether it's cardio strength or anything, it is, it's good for your brain, right? Yeah. I mean, from a mood perspective, a, a pro- productivity perspective, um, I would assume just like a cognitive ability to think quickly and respond and react, things like that. Um, is there an explanation for that that you can give to people? I'm just like, uh, those kind of things always interest me because if strength training your body can make you smarter and everything else you do, like that's, that's a huge win. Yeah. Isn't it? And it sort of gives us even more rationale for why we need to incorporate exercise into our lives and give ourselves permission to go to the gym, uh, mm-hmm. permission for an employer to let their companies or their uh, employees go to the gym, all those sorts of things. So probably the most powerful relationship physiologically is that when we exercise, we increase the production of brain derived neurotrophic factor or BDNF, which is a compound that circulates throughout the brain and stimulates the growth of new neurons inside the brain neurons being brain cells. And when you grow new neurons and they make connections to each other, that's how we encode memories. That's how we learn. That's how we build our capacity to think the, we've all heard of neuroplasticity, even though it's a relatively new term, broadly speaking, but you know, whatever you do, whatever you think changes your brain constantly. So if you're doing meditation, your brain adapts. If you're in nature, your brain adapts. If you're reading biographies, your brain adapts. If you're exercising, your brain will adapt as well. And so we want to just make sure that our brain is you know, constantly being cultivated to do better and better things and exercise sparks speed enough. It's pretty cool. Also, we've discovered how exercise improves mental health. There's a direct relationship between exercise and depression. There's a direct relationship between physical activity and anxiety levels. And we've, there's been so much cool research that's been done on students and learning showing that as, as little as 15 minutes of physical activity added to the school day increases GPAs of those students by a quarter of a, a grade point up to a total of one hour and one full grade point beyond which there's no further benefits. I was like 5,000 students in the UK did that study. So we're learning a ton. People want to dig into it and learn more. A really good starting point is a book spark by Dr. John Rady, R A T A Y. Uh, and that's got loads of information about the, the brain body connection and how movement sparks the brain. I love that. It's, it's so fascinating to me. And it makes me think too, of like, um, even with like my daughter, like I'm, uh, and I didn't direct, now I'm going to be more <laughs> pushy to do this, but like there's plenty of times where I get home from work and I'm, I'm pretty tired, but I can tell she sees dad, she's kind of riled up. 
And there's other days where she's like, wants to watch YouTube or something. And I'm like, nope, let's play tag. Let's play hide and seek. Let's do something. Like, let's go in your clubhouse. Like, and I just want her to be active and move and run with the dog. And um, now I'm going to be more, even more encouraged to do it because obviously it's, it's paying off. Uh, I know this will come up to people because I've gotten this question before, not specifically in this regard, but I'm curious, is there any evidence or research done on like how quick that is? So I guess my question is like, just do physical activity regularly and you'll be at top performance of your brain. Or is there any link of like, actually, if you train in the morning, it might help the rest of the day because those like neurons actually start firing better immediately after exercise. Got it. So there's this really cool video that I pulled off of, um, out of nature, uh, which is an incredible journal and in their website, they had this video and the video is of the electrical activity inside the brain of a zebrafish at rest and it's black. And then it starts swimming and the whole brain lights up, stops swimming, the brain shuts off. And so we know that when we move the brain, brain activity dramatically increases. So it is very instantaneous. Uh, we can get these benefits, these psychological benefits from physical activity almost instantaneously, which is so awesome because there's been so many times I'm sitting on the couch kind of having been home for the last two years. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm bagged. I don't really feel like doing any more work. I'm "I'm just going to go for a walk. And if I can get outside and go for a walk for five minutes outdoors in the sunlight, my brain literally comes back to life. I don't know if anyone's ever tried a walking meeting, but you are Mm. infinitely more creative when you're out and moving than you are sitting around a boardroom. In fact, rhythmic, repetitive activities, walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle, right? The quote unquote cardio type activities have been shown to increase creativity and will increase problem solving, especially if we do rhythmic, repetitive activities in and around nature. So get out outside, go for the bike ride, go for the walk, go for the paddle, whatever it happens to be in your problem solving, your creativity, your ideation, your innovation will all dramatically increase. Uh, and then when it comes to like times during the day, the morning is incredible because it sparks that BDNF. You get that BDNF surge, which stimulates the growth of new neurons throughout the entire day. The only other thing to consider is later on in the day, it's a great idea to do some exercise, maybe even some strength training, because what we're looking to do there is to break down stress hormones that have accumulated throughout the course of the day. So we go through the day, we get stressed because there's stuff to do, conversations to have, adrenaline and cortisol build up, which are fantastic for instantaneous performance. But what we really want to do is make sure those stress hormones don't stick around. We want to use them to perform, but then we want to get rid of them. And the way we get rid of them is through physical activity, muscle contractions, And so the end of the day workouts, awesome for stress management, sort of dissipating the effects of uh, our busy lives. So morning workout to spark the brain, evening workout or afternoon workout to help you to physically recover uh, and, you know, really whatever work, but then the real message is whatever works for you, right? Like whenever given your schedule, you can get a workout in. Mm -hmm. That's great. If you want to hyper dial it in morning's good for your brain. Afternoon's good for recovery. But really if, if you've got time at lunch, go at lunch. Cause yeah. we just got to get it done. Yeah. hundred percent. And even, even if you're doing both, it can be a light. Like I know for me, I really, it's very hard in Washington, which is why I'm not the biggest fan of this place because I can barely ever go outside because it's raining or it's freezing. Um, but I try to go for a morning walk, even if I'm bundled up. Right. Because a lot of times I have, uh, I have a coaching call every single morning with somebody on my team. Um, right. and if I'm at a desk, it's so much 
more difficult to really be invested in that. And you're more likely to be distracted and like check your phone or look at your computer when you're walking phone stays in the pocket. And I just like, I lose track of time and I'm just like going and going and going and giving advice and coaching. Um, so we actually bought a treadmill for our house and that's what I've been doing lately. It's like, I'll just go into the garage, hit the treadmill while I'm talking. And a lot of times people might, uh, relate to this too. I pull out my notepad when I'm doing cardio all the time because I'm like, ideas are flowing. I got, uh, like things come up and I've always associated it with just like having space, but now it makes even mm-hmm. more sense that it's actually my movement as well that is causing this. Um, okay. So I think I could literally just ask you a bunch of questions for the next four hours and <laughs> just have a blast. <laughs> going, man. I'm having a blast. Um, so I, well, I want to, I want to dive into your books because your books are awesome, man. Like when, and it was cool because I actually, the ripple effect is one that I've, I recognized immediately. So when I went to your website and I was like, this is the ripple effect guy. This is awesome. Like, I'm so happy that we got connected. Uh, but I want to go through them in the order that I, I looked at them, which started with the focus effect. And this is actually perfect because we're kind of already talking about this topic. But the focus effect is very much so about increasing productivity. And I got to imagine there's some talk in there about uh, decreasing maybe anxiety, stress, or just enhancing your mood in general. So I guess my, my question is, is if you can kind of encapsulate this as best as possible the top techniques that you teach like what are the like big things that people should be focusing on that way they can take that from the podcast and when they want to dive deeper they can go grab the book from amazon and and kind of keep reading but um the top techniques you teach in this book or to your clients or the people you consult with to increase productivity and or decrease stress and anxiety got it so yeah the focus effect is a really interesting book that it the origin story of the book is almost as interesting as like what we say, but like I was sitting at this conference in Zurich in 2016 uh, and Steve Wozniak's on stage. I, I'd spoken earlier. And so I got to hang out and um, I was in the green room with him, and he goes up on stage. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm watching Steve Wozniak who created Apple and I'm listening to him. He's talking about creativity. And I look around the room and literally two thirds of the audience is on their phone. It's like, what the, like, this is, like an, an exponential human on stage and everyone's on their phone and maybe they're taking photos or I, I don't know. But anyway, I was, I was all in and I was like, this is a problem. So, and I spoke to a buddy of mine who was also at the conference and he's like, this is crazy. We should write a book. Anyway. So we ended up writing a book called the focus effect, which is just all about controlling your attention and directing your attention towards what matters to you in an era of constant unrelenting distraction, just notifications and email and social media feeds and the news cycle, right? Like everyone wants your attention. And if we can control our attention and direct it towards what matters to us the most, it might be your work, might be your family, might be training, might be cooking, like whatever it happens to be, we really need to protect and defend our attention because it can just get sucked away. I'm sure everyone can identify with getting lost and doom scrolling through your social media feed, right? It just Mm -hmm. eats time. So one of the biggest tactics that, that we teach when it comes to the focus effect is doing a very hardcore audit of all of the information that's coming at you. It gets back to neuroplasticity, right? Like whatever you feed in through your eyes, your ears, your senses goes into your brain and gets processed by your brain. And if it's positive, your brain grows in a positive manner. And if it's negative, it will deteriorate. And so we want to be getting rid of the energy vampires. We want to be getting rid of the negativity. We want to be really careful about what podcasts you listen to, like this one, what magazines you subscribe to, who you follow on social, who you're connected with, and 
you end up at some really hard decisions, right? Like, should I unfollow my mom? Cause she says X about politics. Like <laughs> you may end up at that point. And you, I would submit that you probably do need to unfollow anyone that, you know, is, is not elevating your life. Your attention is yours. You have to allocate it very, very carefully. So the first thing would be like a hardcore social media audit and it's hard to do, but I think it's very, very valuable and your time is precious. So is your attention and it's worth doing. The second big part of the focus effect that we've been working with people on is deliberately designing your day. We call it just like the ultimate day, right? Craft your ultimate day and think about when during the day you feel at your best. So we have circadian rhythms, the light, dark cycles of the sun. We sleep at night. We get hungry at a certain time of the day. Typically, we typically go to the washroom at a certain time of day, right? The body has loads of cycles built into it. But we also have ultradian rhythms, which are shorter, anywhere from sort of 10 minutes to 90 minutes. And I would love for you to think about when during the day you have those blocks of 10 minutes to 90 minutes where your brain works best. For me, it's first thing in the morning, right? It's sort of like seven-ish to about nine, I can crush it. Then I've got another burst that I can get from like 9.30 until about noon. And then the afternoons, I, I really struggle. Evenings, I really struggle, probably because I've got two younger kids. Um, but finding those times when you can focus easily, when it's, when your brain is ready to do what it needs to do for you to truly reach your potential it might be your body too. If you're into physical training, right? Like when during the day you have the most physical energy and then make sure that whatever matters to you the most gets allocated and done during those times, instead of just simply working out of your email inbox, which is what the vast majority of us do that can be completely revolutionary because then you're doing your most important work on the things that you care about the most, your highest priority during the times during the day when you are at your absolute best. And it's a really hard practice to put into play because you're defending your attention, you're defending your time, all those sorts of things. But if you can do that, it is an absolute game changer for your life. So yeah, two ideas, social media audit and allocate your attention to the things that matter to you the most when you're at your best. I love, I'm going to, uh, I'm definitely going to dig deeper into honestly, both of those, but a few things came to mind. I've, I've been asked many times of like how I, uh, consistently time block and, and actually stick to the time blocks and stay productive and stuff. And in, this simplifies what you're saying quite a bit. So I think what you're talking about will help me kind of take it to the next level. But oftentimes I always tell people too, I'm like, well, is your phone on do not disturb? Well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, first step, mine stays on do not disturb 24 seven. So unless my wife calls me two times in a row, I know it's not an emergency. And like, if it's in between these hours, like I just, I, I got to stay focused. And so I just, I keep there. Um, I have boomerang for Gmail. So I pause my inbox. If I need to get through emails, I don't want more coming in because as soon as I see another one coming, I have to check it. <laughs> you know, all my notifications are off. So I don't see when social media notifications go off unless I go to the app and open it. And now there's even things where you can actually limit the app access, right? Like you cannot access the app certain during certain periods of times. And a lot of this comes down to self-discipline because you tell somebody that and I'm like, you, you have the capability to shut the app off between five and seven. If you wanted to, you just don't want to. So it's like, you really got to take action on those things. Um, I think the hard part is that audit. You know, I, I actually recently got a journal. I, I love getting new journals and kind of seeing how they st structure their prompts. And one of the prompts was, uh, at what point today, because it's, it's like an AM and a PM, at what point today did you feel 
at your best? And then at what point today did you feel stress or anxiety? And sometimes I had to really think hard for at my best. And like, sometimes I'll just put like when I had space, cause I knew I was productive. But I think if I could go back and look at like the time of day, it would help me so much more than just saying, you know, when I had this window of time to really stay productive or the stress one is interesting because it's almost always when I felt rushed. If I felt rushed mm-hmm. to do something. It's when it's like the absolute worst. Things don't get done as well. I have anxiety. I feel like I need to hurry up. I'm distracted, easy. Um, again, those are just random things, but I never really look at the time associated with those, those feelings. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're doing the hard work, right? Like you're doing the, you're, you're evaluating yourself. You're doing the introspection. You're doing the journaling. I've got, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to have video on this or it's just audio, but like right up over here. That's, I mean, that's my journal. It's right over my shoulder. And now all of the, well, so many of the epic humans that I've met over the last five or six years, as I've been on this journey, they all have journals mm-hmm. and they all carry a, a, a nice pen with them and they're writing things down and they're deconstructing their days and they're, they're doing the work. Like everything that you and I are talking about, even so, even something as simple as turning off all of your notifications all the time, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Like that requires you to do the work. You got to go on your computer. You got to go on your tablet. You got to go on your phone and set, do not disturb. And I'm like you, I've, do not disturb on 24 seven. The only person that can reach me is my wife. Mm-hmm. And, and she gets through on one call. Um, I maybe should put that on too, but anyway, for now, it's just, it's just <laughs> my, one call. In my defense, mine's um, one call too. I just let her know, like, right. hey, if it's in work hours, <laughs> yeah, if it's an emergency, call me twice. If it's something you just right. want to bullshit about, <laughs> just once. But honestly, like if your audience right now can just go on all of your devices, turn off all the audio notifications, um, set some do not disturb times for really important times during the day when you want to get your best work done, and even auto respond on some of your emails. If you're going to go into deep focus for a little while, it's be like, Hey, I'll get back to you at 1 PM this afternoon. All of those little tactics, you feel it's hard for you because you feel like you should be serving other people, right? Like if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about making the world a better place or helping somebody else. And we want to do that all the time, but we, we really need to be able to focus as well on ourselves to be able to do our best work so we can then serve at the highest possible level. And the only way we can do that is by focusing. And it's super hard because these algorithms, these devices are so well designed. Like they're really, really good. I had to delete all the social media apps off my phone. I can't have them on my phone or else I check them. And I use a platform called Agora Pulse. I'm not paid by them or anything like that, but I broadcast on social, but I try not to consume on social. And so all these little hacks add up to enable me to, you know, push content out, but not get caught up in doom scrolling through the news cycle on whatever app happens to capture my attention. Yeah. And and no matter how aware you are of like, the, the mechanisms they use to suck you in, you still fall victim to it. <laughs> it's just if like, they're too good. They it's are. neurophysiology. You can't like, I know, I know exactly what's going on. I can feel it happening in my brain and I can't stop scrolling <laughs> through Instagram. Once I start, it's fun to see what all my friends are up to. So it cannot live on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'll check in on, you know, my ta- my desktop once in a while, but it's, they're too good. Johnny Ive who designed the iPhone for Apple didn't let his kids have one. Like, there's a reason for yeah, that. They're really, really good at what they do. So mm-hmm. you've got to make sure you put some structure around it to make sure that you're intentionally using technology because it's amazing. I love the fact I can FaceTime my kids from anywhere in the world that I yeah. happen to be. It's absolutely spectacular. Um, I love that I have the entire, you know, 
magnitude of all of human knowledge on my tablet, on my desk, searchable instantaneously. It's fantastic. But if it's intentional, that's all good. But if it's compulsive, it's a problem. Yeah. And I'd love for everyone to shift towards intention and away from compulsion when it comes to technology. Yeah, 100%. Um, before I get into the next book, I, I just want to add a couple things to that is uh, another thing that's like the Do Not Disturb. Apple, uh, most of us have Apple. And once I realized I had a, uh, an Apple Watch, an iPhone, an iPad, a MacBook, an iMac at home, and my iPhone, I was like, okay, I, they're connected, but how do I disconnect them from, so for me, the iMessage doesn't follow me everywhere. It's just on my phone. It's, you know what I mean? Like I turned off as many of those things as I can. Otherwise you're like, okay, put my phone on the desk and you go to type and it's like, boop, message, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, okay, I got to figure out this. So, um, you just got to, it, it just comes down, like you said, it just comes down to the discipline of just, just doing it. And then the other thing real quick, uh, just because you mentioned journal, I'm curious if you have like a, uh, the journal you pointed to is orange and that's a, a random color to have. The journal I was just talking about is orange. So I was just curious if it's the same journal or you just free journal. It's open no. book. Um, so I've got two. I'll pull them out. I have two um, as well. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is brave castle. Um, and it's just a free free form journal. And this is where I put, so there's no lines. There's no structure around it at all. It was given to me by a, a buddy of mine who just bought a castle in, Ireland and is moving there to try to rehab the castle. It's where Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings. So it's That's cool. got a good feel to it, but it's basically just like an open journal. And this is for thoughts, ideas, quotes, um, like personal thinking around, you know, dreams and aspirations and all that sort of stuff goes, um, goes in this one. And then on my desk, it sits right on top of, um, tools of Titans and Ray Dalio's book principles and Elon Musk's biography. And Elon's got some, you know, he's up and down, but I find him inspirational. And then in terms of my actual structured work, I use the full focus planner uh, and you know, search that. And, and that one's got the details about like every day, um, breaking things down into my big three for the day, other tasks, timeline, some specific notes. Um, so I find this one to be super helpful for keeping me organized in terms of my actual like structure of, of the day. So I kind of keep like personal big thinking in one that's free form and then like focused execution in another one that just keeps me on task. And then the other little tiny hack that I've found super helpful over the last couple of months is I noticed that I was constantly writing things down on little cards. And so on Mondays, I, I've, I've just got these little, they're almost like postcards and I, I had them made on, I think it was moo.com. Anyways, it's super cheap but it's really, really hard paper. And I just write at the top, I wrote at the top that had it printed my brilliant ideas to lift the world. Uh, and then I just write down all of my goals for the week on this. And then I highlight them as I, as I finish them. So that way this sort of always lives on my desk, like the five to seven things I have to do this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really keeps me focused. It also makes me feel like I'm actually accomplishing something. So I'm pretty hard on myself. So if I don't identify things I want to get done, then I get lost and I feel like I'm not being productive and uh, I don't feel like I'm getting anything accomplished. So this really, really helps. So three things that live in and around my desk and they're all sort of accumulated, but if you figure out what works for you, there's loads of different ways of doing it. That's super cool, man. I, uh, I It's actually really cool for me too, because I do the exact same thing. So it's nice to see somebody of your stature doing the same things. Um, I have a free form journal. Uh, the, the, 
prompted one I'm using right now is called the monk manual, but very similar top three for the day. Then it has like a random list that I can add to gratitude, like just schedule, just all the little things. And then there's a PM. Um, and then I actually have, uh, I use it on my computer as a software and I have my like, we call it keys for the week. And I have like my weekly things that need to get done. And then I break it into days. Um, and it's funny cause you talk to s- some people and they're like, wait, so you basically have like three different journals you're using every single week. I'm like, well, kind of, yeah, but, um, but now I can say there is somebody who writes books on this stuff that does it too. So it's proven to work. Yeah. Um, uh, and it might be better to only have one. I just, it's sort of how it all flows for me. And it, it feels right. Like mm-hmm. when I grab one of them, it feels like a certain thing that I should be doing. And when I grab the other one, it's, it's like a trigger. I know that when I pick up the orange one, it's my creative free form, no real need to execute on it, but I want to capture an idea. Um, I met Richard Branson many years ago and he had one like that. And, uh, it's like, what's that? It's like, that's just my journal. I keep it just for ideation. Um, so that's sort of the inspiration whoops behind that one. That's, that's over there. And then I really do need structure because I've got entrepreneurial ADD. Um, so the other one helps to keep me targeted and focused and make sure I know what I really need to be doing every single day. Otherwise I can get distracted pretty easily. hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's move into the ripple effect. So the next book that I was going to kind of pick your brain on is the ripple effect. Um, and it's sleep better, eat better, move better, think better. So obviously a lot of what we're talking about is, is linked together. And now I feel like we're kind of taking the next step and we're adding in sleep movement and eating, not just talking about thinking. Um, but we kind of touched on how they're connected. The thing I wanted to really get out of you is like how they're all connected. And, but ultimately what do people need to do here? Like, what is the book going to give these people an insight into? Yeah. And, um, that the ripple effect is by far my most sort of popular book, the one that did the best around the world. And I think it's just because it's so simple, right? Sleep, eat, move, think it's the foundation for everything. Uh, 10 years ago, the origin story for the book is 10 years ago, um, moving houses, getting ready to go commentate the Olympics, launching my first book, changing jobs, two-year-old daughter, I hadn't slept in two years. Judith, my wife was finishing grad school. Like it was insane. I got completely run down. Inger got a cold at daycare. I got the cold, but it went straight into my heart and I ended up with viral myocarditis and hospitalized, which was awesome. Um, And while I was lying around in the hospital, I began reading and trying to figure out what the heck was going on with me. And I realized that 25% of the population diagnosed sleeping disorder. We have 85% of the population doesn't get enough physical activity to prevent a chronic disease. It's not even to be healthy. That's just not to get sick. We have 68% of North Americans with overweight or obesity and one in five North Americans who struggle with mental health challenges. And so that's sort of that, that was the genesis for sleep, eat, move, think, right? So I was like, if we could do the opposite of each of those, we can cure and address all of these global epidemics. And that led to the writing of the book and exploring how do we sleep better? How do we eat better? How do we move more? And how do we help ourselves to think in a positive way? And then as I wrote, started writing, like, my God, they're all connected, right? Like if you get a good night's sleep, you regulate leptin and ghrelin, the hormones that control your appetite and satiety. So you make better decisions around food. If you get a great night's sleep, you release growth hormone, which heals your muscles from the workouts that you've done during the course day. If you eat better, you have more energy to work out. If you work out, your mental health improves. If your mental health improves, you sleep better, right? So it's this positive cycle of well-being that we can create. It doesn't matter where you start doesn't matter how big of a shift you make micro changes win. And I don't want people to make massive changes in their lives. I want people to make micro changes. You can stick with consistently, but when you start to work in these areas, the benefits 
exponentially add up on top of each other and you can really change your life. So yeah, that's what the origin story was. That's the idea. And yeah, it went really, really well. I'm super happy with that book. Uh, you, you mentioned at the beginning, um, X percentage of people, do you say sleep syndrome? So we have about 25% of the population with a diagnosed sleeping disorder, various oh, okay. different kinds, but in general, like I do a lot of public speaking, probably do 80 events a year, I usually ask the audience, like how many of you are struggling with sleep and feel tired right now? Always 80% of the audience puts up their hand. Like it might be 25% diagnosed sleeping disorder, but like, it's a lot of people that are struggling with sleep. It's, it's, it's the number one topic that people are concerned about. And if you do it well, if you can figure it out, your health improves, your mindset improves, your nutrition improves, right? Like your yeah. creativity improves. It's so foundational. Do you notice any, cause we're definitely going to be talking about sleep here soon. Do you notice with the, you said like you can start anywhere. And, and I think like my mind went to the best place to start, but then I kind of stopped and was thinking, it was like, actually that's probably the place I would need to start. Cause that's the thing I've always struggled with, which is sleep is I also have entrepreneurial ADD. And so to me, I'm like, yeah. I'll sleep on a die. I just want to, I want to be up early, stay up late, get as much done as I can experience life. Um, so that would be my thing. Cause the rest is easier for me to do, but is there anything that you notice to be the most effective thing to start with or the most common thing people need to start with? I would say the most common thing for people to start with is sleep, just like you identified, right? Like a lot of people are tired. A lot of people don't sleep well. If you get a good night's sleep, everything is so easy. If you don't get a good night's sleep, everything is so hard. Like just think about if you get a bad night's sleep, how hard it is to get to the gym and to do a good job in the gym, right? It's really difficult. Or if you've had a bad night's sleep, how likely it is that you're going to eat everything that's in front of you. In fact, research shows that if you don't sleep well, you eat about three to 400 calories more than you do if you've gotten a good night's sleep. So literally if you wanted to eat healthier, better body comp, then focus on sleep, not even worry about your food initially and uh, get that sorted. It does take time to build the habits and routines and rituals that you need to build into your life in order to sleep well, blackout blinds, going to bed at a consistent time, keeping your room, you know, cool, 20 degrees Celsius, 70 degrees Fahrenheit, getting those exercise sessions in during the day to make sure that you're getting the deep sleep that you, that you need, and then creating a wind down ritual or defending your last hour to make sure that your mind is calm and your body are calm before you actually fall into bed to fall asleep, rather than going straight from your email to do list and lying down in bed and wondering why you're staring at the ceiling. So it takes some time to build the habits, but when you do, everything gets easy and it is absolutely foundational. I truly believe it's worth spending the time on might take you three months, six months, but the benefits are reduced risk of cancer, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, better outcomes in terms of type two diabetes, reduced incidence of depression and anxiety, uh, argue possibly even reduced risk for Alzheimer's because we have the neuroglial lymphatic system that washes out the brain of, of amyloid plaques. So it's really, really important for us to get started there. Um, you know, I, I want to dive into sleep specifically next because I know the next book and your involvement with PN is very related to that. The, co the only co last question I have on this specific book is I'm assuming there's a bunch of these habits in there, like take these with you, go do these habits, obviously. Is there a lot involved with the uh, just educating people on this connection? Because I have found, you know, with our company, we work with a lot of just general population people. But one of the things that allowed us to um, – stand out amongst other online coaching companies is that we educate our clients a lot. We want to teach them everything we do. Um, 
so that they can do it on their own eventually. That's the whole point of a teacher, right? Is not to hold on to you forever. It's to like teach you, guide you, get you the result and then send you on your way. Um, and so what I've noticed in that pursuit is that people are actually way more likely to adhere to the plan, be consistent, follow your dietary or training advice when they know why they're doing it and they really understand the processes. So I'm really curious about that because there's so much going on here that is over a lot of our heads if we really get into the science behind it. But I think if we like slowly feed it to people and break it down, especially throughout a book instead of a short conversation, um, and they start to really understand the connection between sleep, eat, move, think, and like a scientific way, I feel like they would be able to grab onto it and use it so much better. I think so. Um, I was a professor at the university of Toronto for formally 10 years and, you know, probably for 20 years, if you add up all the different times I was there and I loved doing that and I loved the research and I, I really enjoyed teaching and I managed to coach the swim team and stuff like that. And I found that when I was explaining to the swimmers, why we were doing the training main set, the way that we were doing it, it was to target, you know, this energy system and keep you from getting fatigued at this point of your race so that you could do that time. And when I explained it, which was, you know, painful for me because I'm, you know, have that entrepreneurial ADD. I just want to move through things really, really quickly. Uh, but when I explained it and they understood the physiology, they did such a good job on the set. It'd take me a little bit longer to explain, but they would always do the set the way it was designed. And I've discovered over the years that the thing that I love to do and something I think like this is my unique ability I love to deconstruct science to turn it into actionable things that people can do. Right. So I, I love that. And I've over and over and over again, when you explain things to people about how their body works, then they understand what's going on. If you understand what's going on, you can make great decisions, right? Everyone says my teenagers won't sleep. Well, when I explain to teenagers that when you look at a device late at night and you shine light into your eyes, that light goes through your eyeball hits the back of your eyeball in a structure that converts light into electricity, which shoots back through the optic nerve into your brain and hits a structure called the pineal gland that releases a hormone called melatonin. And when you shine light into your eyes late at night, phone, tablet, TV, whatever, it, it basically turns the pineal gland off, makes it really hard for you to fall asleep quickly and deeply. And how many teens struggle with sleep, right? And we say, well, it's just because they're a teenager. It's partially because of that, but it's largely because we're shining devices into our eyes late at night. And it's really hard to fall asleep when we're doing that. But as soon as they see it, as soon as they understand it, as soon as they see the incredible images that uh, have been published in research about the gliolymphatic system and how the brain washes itself out at night when we sleep, I have parents call me afterwards and they're like, my kid actually just went to bed. What did you do? So I just sort of explained how the brain works, right? So when we understand our physiology, we understand our psychology and it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be overwhelming in terms of science. Uh, when we understand, we know what to do and then we can make good decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think a hundred percent and it's, and it's, and you're right. It's not just teenagers too. Cause I even think about there's plenty of nights where I'm like, all right, let's go to bed. I'm tired. And then well, I'll watch a TV show. And the next thing I know, two hours go by and I'm like, well, I was tired, <laughs> but now I'm yeah. watching TV and my TV is up on the wall. So I'm looking up at the light. Um, so I a hundred percent agree. The, this might not be um, your field of expertise, but I got to imagine it's come up in all your research and everything you've done, but um, longevity, like how much of a role does this play with it? And the reason, um, kudos to you, because this, the reason I was thinking about this is you're talking about your story. You're just telling how many different things you've been able to do, how many different things 
you've done for people, books you've written, places you've traveled, and then you say you've been a part of the college for 20 years, taught for 10. And I'm like, there's no way this he's old enough to have done all these things. Like, you obviously look really good for your age if you've been able to do all this, or you have some hack that allows you to do an, an enormous amount of things simultaneously. Uh, so I'm yeah. curious if a lot of this stuff allows people to really just consistently do more and more and more rather than slow down, right? Like, does this help longevity as well? Um, God, I appreciate that. So I'm 50, so I'm, I'm not young. Um, I've had an incredible career, really, really fortunate to have good genetics uh, as well. But I am fascinated by longevity. I will say that I'm fascinated and read a lot about it. My research is largely pediatrics. I've published 75 research papers all on pediatrics. I don't publish research in longevity, but I'm fascinated by uh, the potential, I think now for humans to live healthy lives through to 120 years of age. I think that um, I think that that actually would make the world a better place. I think there's very good evidence that shows the longer we can keep people in uh, productive roles in society, the better it is for society. And I, I am concerned about overcrowding of the planet, but when we educate women and support women birth rates drop around the world. Therefore, I think that this is, you know, I think humanity will probably peak in relatively short order in and around 9 billion, and then we'll start to drop after that. So longevity is a legitimate um, objective for all of us. So things like stem cells, and uh, there's loads of cool research on regenerative medicine that's coming out right now. But really, if we want to live a long time, if we want to extend our lifespan, which is how long we live. If we want to extend our health span, which is how long we live without getting sick, I think it really does come down to the simplest, simplest elements of our lifestyle. When we sleep well, we live longer. We know there's a direct relationship and that your, your uh, risk of all-cause mortality increases when we get six hours of sleep or less with the lowest risk for all-cause mortality being in that seven to eight-hour window. We know that eating... A wide variety of colored fruits and vegetables, specifically yellow, orange, red fruits and vegetables, have a positive effect upon your risk of cardiovascular disease, one of which is one of the primary killers for men and women. Uh, we know that if we eat green leafy vegetables and purple vegetables and white vegetables, reduce our risk of cancer, which is another major killer for people. We know that if we get 15 minutes of exercise a day, we lower our, our risk for 13 different types of cancer by 24 to 40%. Uh, these are not, you know, your grandmother could tell you the exact same thing. So I actually look at longevity as something that is accessible to all of us. It's largely lifestyle based right now. Although there's no question that there's some incredible technologies coming around regenerative medicine that are going to be absolutely incredible, as well as nanotechnologies and other incredible tech. But I'd rather not rely on tech. I'd rather be healthy. I'd rather be fit and then use tech to extend my life for as long as possible. Uh, and so there's all sorts of biohacking strategies around that. But the reality is like exercise, get outdoors, spend great time with your friends and family, eat incredibly healthy food keep your stress levels at a moderate level. And if you really want to uh, begin to dig into this, probably the best place to start would be Dan Butner's Blue Zones uh, work. He's a you know, uh, researcher for National Geographic that traveled around the world to find the nine locations on planet Earth where people have the greatest chance of living to 100. And in those regions, he found the habits that were consistent around the world in these small communities. And they were very simple. Spend time with friends and family, 
you know, lots of plant-based foods, a little bit of feet and uh, fish and meat, uh, you know, great relationships, physical activity, not too hard. Like it's this mm-hmm. very, very straightforward stuff Sun. that we all have access to and it's free most yeah. of it. Yeah. hundred percent. I was going to bring up the blue zones cause it is very, very simple. Um, and I think that, uh, I would say like, I think you don't give yourself enough credit. It's probably epigenetics, which is for people listening more of like what you do in your environment, your lifestyle that influences your genetics to be great. But it's like, if you've been doing all these things for so long, well, that's why you're able to continue thriving. I think that's for most people, right? It's, uh, and it is funny because, you know, I, you say your grandmother could tell you this. I remember I lived with my grandma for a little bit uh, when I was younger. And I remember her always saying like every week it was like going grocery shopping, cooking for the week or whatever. It was like, got to eat the rainbow. That was always her yeah. thing. So it was always trying to rotate all these things. Um, and it's exactly what you said. We had to get some yellow, some red, some purple, some green. So um, very simple stuff. It's just taking action on it. It's just doing these simple things consistently over time. So um, I love that we were able to, to simplify that a lot. Uh, the last book, I think, I'm assuming, obviously I haven't read it yet, kind of dives us into a little bit more of the sleep. So we can kind of finish with that category. And the last book is Rest, Refocus, Recharge. I got to imagine that is about sleeping a little bit, if not just other things that can help that. Um, what is the book about? Like, what, what do people take away from here? And, and we can kind of pick it apart as we go. Got it. So Rest or Focus Recharge was really around helping people to implement the ideas from the focus effect and the ripple effect, because the number one challenge is like, there's all this information is great, Greg, but I'm too tired. I don't have time. And so what I wanted to do is to show people that by slowing down, you could actually speed up. And if you give yourself the grace and permission to rest, recover, and regenerate, so much more becomes possible in your life. In fact, you'll get back way more than the time that you lost in terms of giving yourself that chance to recover. And the idea for the book really came out of looking at training for sports over the last 40 years. If you think back to like the 60s and 70s and 80s, it was all high volume training whoever trained the most made the Olympics, but you probably got really sick and injured and your career was very short. And then we've recently gotten a lot more uh, access to human potential through load management, massage therapy, smart training, recovery and regeneration, stretching, mindset work, yoga, all of these different tactics that keep you moving forwards mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually without getting burned out, without getting exhausted, without getting injured. So we now see athletes regularly competing at world-class levels right through their thirties into their forties. We see athletic careers being much longer than they were before. And I would submit that in many cases, we see dramatic improvements in mental health, relatively speaking. Uh, although of course there's still massive issues around, around that, but maybe not from a burnout perspective from training. So I wanted to translate that to the everybody. And so we know that when we're in full on execution mode, we're in beta brainwave mode, which is hustle, focus, execute high stress, which is fine for getting stuff done, but it's really unhealthy. If we stay there chronically, if you slow down just a touch, the electrical activity in your brain decreases its rate and you enter into alpha mode and alpha brainwaves are when you can be strategic. You can think, you can plan, you can reflect, you can do gratitude, none of which is accessible if you're in beta mode. If you slow down even further, you end up in theta mode. That's when you're creative, when you ideate, when you innovate, when you come up with new solutions to old problems, which is so important for us as we reimagine the future and chart a path forwards in an era of uncertainty. 
Then delta waves is when you fall asleep, you create delta waves, which is when we recover and regenerate. And then one of the newer discoveries for humans is gamma waves, which are actually when the entire brain lights up and becomes activated and we reach our true human potential, which is when we do something in, in the zone or in a flow state that has meaning for us, that's peak experience. That's like staring into the eyes of a loved one or watching the sun go down over the ocean from a beach on vacation or being out for you know, a run and getting into a flow state and you know, pushing the limits of what you're capable of physically or having a teaching moment with your kids, right? So there's so many states of being that we have access to if we give ourselves permission to slow down that we cannot get into if we're stuck in hustle, focus, execute, stress, which I think the world has been in for two straight years now as we you know, are navigating our way out of a global pandemic. And I want to unlock human potential. I want everyone to reach their potential. I want everyone to be the best that they can be at whatever it is that they care about the most, being a parent, being a musician, being an athlete, being fit, being a business owner, like whatever it happens to be, we can all have a positive influence on the world. And when we are able to move ourselves through these different states, I think that so much of our human potential gets unlocked. So that's what that book was all about. Is in this, I mean, this is probably the most fascinating to me because it, it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and if I'm right, you can kind of tell us how this is done in the book, but it almost seems like, like you said, we're taking these two kind of aspects and almost like designing a day to put you into the states at the right point of time to be able to optimize things. 100%. So it's the ultimate day protocol. And what you want to do is plan your sleep. Like when do you want to be falling asleep and make sure that you've got that eight hour window. So you're waking up at the right time, like not worrying so much about the morning alarm, but making sure that we're going to like almost a bedtime alarm. Mm -hmm. So we set our sleep, then wake up in the morning and set your food. Like, what are we going to fuel ourselves with? Unless you're intermittent fasting, it can happen later, but what are you going to fuel yourself with? Be deliberate and intentional. Maybe get that morning workout in and as little as 15 minutes of walking is enough. A little bit of stretching doesn't matter. Some skipping, then setting your day up so that you do your best work at the times when you have the most energy, like we talked about before. Maybe thinking about when do you want to schedule your meditation so you have a chance for your brain to recover and regenerate and calm down and be here now. Then, of course, having a little bit of time with your family to connect deeply with the people that you love and care about the most. Maybe that's over dinner, right? So, yeah, just being deliberate about deliberate and intentional about crafting your days, because as you live your day, so you live your life. And we want to be building in those habits, which are, you know, what we do almost unconsciously, which then turn into routines, which are, you know, habits repeated. But if we can then do those habits and routines around things that are meaningful for us, that's when you get, you get rituals. And I'd love for us to have positive rituals in our life that enable us to, you know, have a great runway to crush it in whatever it is that we're doing, like our true potential are for me, it's public speaking. For example, I love public speaking, but then also have routines that help you to do that deep health recovery, right? When you're unwinding at the end of the day, or perhaps spending time with your family. So from what my kids, for example, a simple ritual is I put down the phone, get rid of the phone and take my camera. Cause I still want to be able to capture moments, but I don't want to have my phone with me when I'm with my kids playing. So that's a little ritual for me. Phone goes down, grab the camera and out we go to play. Uh, and that, that can be as tiny as, you know, that, and it completely changes my relationship with my kids when I do that the right way. Yeah. And this is, uh, 
I love all that. This is in, insanely informative. We pro- we'll probably have to have you back on because I think I could keep going and we are closing up on time here. But I know that people are going to love everything we're talking about. And um, I cannot recommend these books enough. Um, like I said, I heard of The Ripple Effect a long time ago, but it's something I need to, to go through again. And then I'm definitely going to jump on rest, refocus, and recharge because that's like right up my alley as far as uh, really dialing all these things in. A lot of, you know, it's cool too because a lot of what you're saying I have preached on here because I do some of the things and I'm, I'm a pretty productive person. I'm a pretty focused person. Um, but I also don't have the complete, uh, knowledge base or education to really tell people why I do it. (laughs) You know, it's like, I've kind of pulled things from people and a lot of it is observing, observing other CEOs and people. And I'm like, okay, like it's not a coincidence that all these people do this thing. I'm just going to do it. I don't care why it's working. I know it's working for them. I'm going to try it, experiment, see what happens. Um, but it's cool to have somebody on and really break down for us why this stuff works. And um, so I'm definitely going to link all of your books in the, as well as your website, because I know you have a lot of free content on there as well, um, in the show notes so people can check those out. Uh, I did want to mention PN's uh, Sleep Cert. I don't think it's open right now. So for people listening, go check it out. Precision Nutrition. Um, I've gone through Precision Nutrition Level 1 and Level 2 years back when I was early in my career, but uh, we've been friends. They reach out to me every once in a while and get people on the podcast. They introduced us, which I was super happy and excited about. Um, But they sourced, Greg, for a lot of uh, the material in this uh, Sleep Cert stress management and recovery certification. Um, and there's a reason why such a large company like Precision Nutrition reached out to Greg. So you can trust that um, everything he's putting out is amazing. But um, real quick, man, just just fill us in really with like where people can find all of your stuff outside of your website, like your social media, if you have a podcast, anything like that, just so we can link it all and people know where to go. Got it. So um, website is drgregwells.com. Uh, all of my social media are at drgregwells. Podcast is uh, the Dr. Greg Wells podcast. Um, we have an app out now for iPhone and Apple watch that allows you to track your sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindset, get daily tips. It's free. It's called Vivio V I I V I O. And if you want to check out the precision nutrition certification course, it's all about like deep training in stress, recovery, regeneration, stress management, sleep. So we designed that to help trainers help their clients with everything not related to the actual physical training and nutrition, right? So if you guys do what you do with regards to teaching nutrition and physical training, this is the additional content that helps those people craft a lifestyle that enables them to train well and eat well. So that was the whole idea behind that. And it was a super fun project to work with everyone at PN on that. I've, you know, known John Berardi for 25 years. We've worked together with various different sports teams. So um, just love being able to spend time with great people doing super cool stuff that elevates other people's lives. So that was the whole purpose there, but hit me up on social. We'd love to hear from everyone. Yeah. And we'll keep it easy. Dr. Greg Wells, you can search that anyway. Um, and, uh, and, and I love it cause I, I couldn't agree more. And this is why this is a, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach and that's the, the, the we changed the podcast to be the tailored life podcast. Cause we wanted it to be about not just fitness and nutrition, but there's so much outside of fitness and nutrition that allows you to be better at fitness and nutrition, right? So like we wanted to bring all the other pieces and you're a big piece of that in everything you research. So, um, man, thank you so much for your time. It's been a blast talking to you and I really appreciate it. It's been so awesome, Cody. Thanks so much. Let's do it again for sure. 